What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Saturday Six Podcast. We are back. So week one recap. We had a lot of good games in week one of college football. So wanted to come on here and recap some of those games that we picked and some of our reactions to those games. Unfortunately, it is just me. My brother Tyler is not here. So by our, I mean my reactions. Uh, Tyler feeling a little under the weather this week. So um not going to be able to be with us, but I still wanted to come on and talk to you guys about some of those picks that we had. It was a crazy week of college football, man. A wild week of upsets, kind of how we predicted. A lot of our picks did not go our way, but it's, it's kind of tough week one. You know, you're you're trying to figure out what some of these teams are and what they're going to look like. You're kind of basing a little bit of it off of last season, which is you know really hard to do sometimes, especially nowadays with the portal and the way some of these rosters look totally different one year compared to the last. So tough, but we still did our best. Still going to still gonna give you picks every week. Going to try to bounce back next week. But wanted to go ahead and jump into these picks that we had last week. Before I do that, just want to remind you guys, if you're listening, we appreciate that you do that. Um, go ahead and find us on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Saturday6Pod. Give us a follow on there. Always pumping out content for you guys there. Also, go ahead and give us a like, a rating, a subscribe, a follow, turn on your notifications, whatever it is you can do on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts to help us get the podcast out to more people. So we appreciate that. All right, let's go ahead and get to these games. Man, did we have an awesome slate of college football. I mean, we really couldn't have picked better games. Some of these ended up looking like blowouts, but they were good for at least a good portion of the game. And then some of these went right down to the wire. Lots of action, lots of good stuff to touch on. So I want to start by telling you that it's easy to overreact, right? Week one, you see things and you think that's the way that it's going to be for the entirety of the season, and it's not. Okay, you got to pump the brakes a little bit. Don't overreact to some of these games. Don't overreact to some of these upsets, to some of these teams that went down. So with that being said, Colorado is going to the national championship game. Mark it down, put it in pin. I'm kidding, of course. But what a start to this to this Colorado program under Coach Deion Sanders, head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes. 45 to 42. They knock off the TCU Horned Frogs, the defending national champion runner-ups at home, I might add. The Horned Frogs were huge favorites in this game. 20 and a half points that a lot of people were just thinking. You know, there's just too much talent. It's going to be hard for Dion to do this turnaround right away. This is a TCU team that was talented last year. We expected a good team this year, and they kind of fell fat, flat on their face. I mean, this Colorado team had a lot to play for. They came out energized, and it was a great game. It was back and forth. But in the end, Colorado just ended up making more plays. They had the playmakers on offense. We've touched on Shadur Sanders and how good he is or how good he could potentially be, and he was all of it and more on Saturday. Over 500 yards passing, four touchdowns, four. And he has weapons, too. I mean, when it came down to that final fourth quarter, he was finding Travis Hunter over and over and over again. I mean, this dude is just unstoppable. Played over 100 snaps on offense and defense combined. 
shut down as a corner, had an interception, making plays as a wide receiver, especially when Sanders really needed him to there at the end. And then the running back, Dylan Edwards, he also caught five balls for 135 yards and three scores through the air. So this Colorado offense is going to be able to go toe-to-toe with pretty much anybody they play this year. The defense is a little suspect, especially that run defense. They're a little soft in the middle. Look, Deion Sanders, he's got playmakers. He's got the athletes, right? The quarterbacks, the running backs, the receivers, the corners, you know, the linebackers, the safeties. He's got those dudes. But when it comes to those line of scrimmage players, those big guys up front on both the offensive and defensive line, that's where Colorado is a little bit uh, soft. So I think they might run into some more problems down the road in this season. But overall, I mean, they did really well. Now, TCU was able to score some points. The quarterback, Chandler Morris, just didn't play well. He just didn't. And that TCU secondary got carved by Sanders and company. So really just a disappointing effort from TCU. They weren't able to get a lot of pressure on Shadur Sanders. They weren't able to get tackles for loss. Colorado was able to establish a little bit of a run game. They didn't need to, but when they when they wanted to, they could pick up yards. So just a really, really disappointing performance by this TCU Horned Frog team that a lot of people were confident that they would have a decent year this year after what they did last year. And it looks like there's a lot to work on for that TCU program, especially on the defensive side of the ball. As they give up 45 points to Deion Sanders his son, and the rest of those cats in Colorado. So um, it'll be interesting to watch Colorado going forward. They've got Nebraska next, so it'll be interesting to see if they can keep this momentum going. If they can win this one, got a very winnable game after that against Colorado State. They could be undefeated heading into matchups against USC and Oregon in back-to-back weeks, so that'll be fun to watch going forward. Moving on, heading out to the West Coast, a game that we picked last week, and – it was actually a better game than what the final score looks like. like. You look at this and you're like, okay, I was not even any of that game was worth watching, but it was decent. It was decent. Final score, though, Washington Huskies 56, Boise State Broncos 19. Broncos did not have enough to hang with Washington. And that prolific Washington offense led by Michael Penix. Washington obviously covered that 14 and a half point spread. Penix 450 yards. Five, one, two, three, four, five touchdowns through the air. He was throwing bombs. I mean, just left and right, lefty just loading up and letting it rip. This guy's going to be in the Heisman conversation probably all year long, but definitely after that performance against Boise State. Like I said, it was a closer game than that final score might lead you to think. It was a nine-point Washington lead in the third quarter, so Boise State kind of hanging around there but then they reel off 21 unanswered in the fourth quarter to pull away. Penix has got weapons too. Adunze McMillan. McMillan had like three scores, one on the ground. I mean, he's just got tons of weapons. This offense is not going to be stopped by anybody in the Pac-12 and maybe by a playoff team if they were to get there. So really, really excited about what Washington can do this year. They've got Tulsa next. Now, this is good. Could be an easy win for Washington, so I expect them to keep that momentum going. But uh, really got to like what you see out of the Huskies in that week one matchup against the Boise State Broncos. Boise State will look to bounce back against UCF next. The next game that we picked, we had the showdown of the Carolinas, and this was a good game as well. Uh, 
North Carolina pulled away late to win this one 31 to 17. They end up easily covering that two and a half point spread. Tyler and I both got this one wrong, thinking the Gamecocks would have enough, and they just didn't. They really just didn't have enough, especially on defense. North Carolina led 17 to 14 at half, and so it's a good game. You know, you think maybe come in, make some adjustments, and the Gamecocks can end up coming back in this game, but they're just not able to figure it out. Drake May had an okay night, two touchdowns, but he also threw two interceptions. The story of this one was North Carolina's defense and what they were able to do to keep that South Carolina offense in check just enough. They had nine sacks, nine sacks. This was a defense that we talked about last episode was horrendous last year. Couldn't stop anything. 14 tackles for loss and nine sacks. I mean, Spencer Rattler still did his thing. He had 350 yards, but no touchdowns. And there was no South Carolina running game at all. I mean, they just were not able to establish anything to take any pressure off of Rattler. Really couldn't convert some key third downs. And so that was the difference because South Carolina's defense – Although they got those two interceptions, they weren't able to create any pressure, weren't able to get any stops behind the line of scrimmage, really. And so in the end, South Carolina, not able to do enough, not able to score enough against Drake May. He gets a couple touchdowns to pull away there late. Final score, 31-17, like I said. So big win for North Carolina. South Carolina, who was right on the edge of that top 25, is going to look to bounce back this coming week against a not-so-good Furman team. And North Carolina's got App State next, so keep an eye on that one. North Carolina should win that game, but App State has been known to trip up some of these Power 5 teams, so that one will be interesting to watch this next week. The fourth game we picked last week, we had the West Virginia Mountaineers and the Penn State Nittany Lions, and we were both feeling an upset in this one. We just thought West Virginia was going to be able to hang in there, you know, Keep that one closer. Maybe not win the game, but keep it within that big 20-and-a-half-point spread. And this one, I'm really upset that Tyler's not here to talk about this one with me because I know he would show some emotion. We were actually watching the end of this game together on our way back from the Georgia game. And, you know, Penn State's got this one in control. They're they're winning this game. But West Virginia scores late to sneak within that 20-and-a-half. They're covering at this point. It's 31-15, to right? And we're feeling good, right? Penn State, they get the ball back. They don't need to do anything. There's like two minutes left. Pick up one first down. Kneel the ball a couple times. You get the win. Tyler and I get our cover. No. No. What do they do? They go down the field, and with 29 seconds left, they could have easily taken a knee. The clock would have ran out. Could have taken a knee. No need to score again. You already went in by two touchdowns. No. Instead, they go ahead and score end up covering that 20 and a half win 38 to 15. And now I am officially off of the Penn state bandwagon for the rest of the season. I hope they go one and 11. I really do. I mean, just a killer, killer backdoor cover for no reason at all. No reason at all. So thank you to coach Franklin and the Penn state Nittany, Nittany lines for making me look bad with that pick. I would have covered, would have had that one, right. But drew Aller and company, Played well enough, 325 through the air, three touchdowns. The running backs, Singleton and Allen, combined for over 100 yards and a touchdown. And West Virginia really just not able to get it done. They played decent. Donaldson, the running back, had a touchdown, but four of 14 on third down. Neither side is really able to force any turnovers, so Penn State really able to control this one throughout. An easy win there for the Nittany Lions. 
Now, this was the game that everybody was talking about, right? You had two top 10 preseason teams going at it week one of the college football season. One of the best non-conference matchups we'll see all year, and it was happening week one. So we were extra excited. Florida State Seminoles, LSU Tigers, neutral site here in Orlando, and the Tigers were favored by a slim two and a half. Now, I was riding Tigers. Tyler was feeling the Knolls, and he gets this one right. I hate it because I really thought LSU had enough talent to get this done, but this was the coming out party for this Florida State Seminole team, and specifically that offense. I mean, you want to talk about dudes? Jordan Travis hooking up with Keon Coleman over and over and over again. It was just, it was a matchup nightmare. You, you, LSU is trotting out these tiny little quarterback cornerbacks in their secondary. And you got Keon Coleman, who's all of six, four Johnny Wilson, who's six foot seven going on seven foot seven. It was just a matchup nightmare. Coleman had nine catches, 122 yards, three touchdowns. And Wilson had over a hundred yards himself. So it was just, it was never going to work. The LSU defense could not slow them down. Now, in the first half, it was a good game. LSU is actually leading this one 17 to 14 at half. But Florida State ends up going on a run there in the third and fourth quarter. 31 unanswered points before LSU gets a garbage time touchdown there to end up scoring 24. And that was just never going to be enough. This Florida State offense is the real deal. They're going to score 40 points per game this year. They're going to put up 50 points on a lot of teams. And it's just tough because what do you do? Do you spy Jordan Travis? That takes a guy out of the of the passing game equation. And so he's probably just going to pick you apart like he did. He's going to throw up these 50-50 balls, which are – more like 80-20 balls to these big receivers on the outside. And it and it's really just – it's going to be tough for everybody in the ACC. So it's just tough, man. And the defense played well too. Four sacks. Jordan uh, – excuse me, Jaden Daniels was running for his life, really couldn't get anything going. Um, and the LSU rushing attack, which I had questions about going into this game, was just non-existent. There was nothing there. It, it almost like – now, I know some of you are going to think I'm crazy. Jaden Daniels is a great quarterback, but there just there wasn't any ability to stretch the field. It was all short passes. There were there were no deep balls to really test the secondary. And so you got guys in the box, which means the running game is not going to be able to work. It's just not. Unless you start testing these teams with deep balls and making them realize that you're an actual threat to throw the ball, which Daniels has not. The majority of his passes are going to be around the line of scrimmage at most 10 yards downfield. And so for me, I'm like, damn, I mean, we we saw what Nussmeyer did in the SEC championship game last year against Georgia. The cat can throw the ball. I, I, I mean, I'm not crazy to think that he could be just as good as Jaden Daniels, am I? I mean, at some point, I think if this is the same thing that you see over and over with LSU, if they lose another game, you might see the switch. You might see Nussmeyer come in because at least then we know he can test teams down the field, which Daniels is just not able to do. And so that might open up this run game. But it's going to be a tough season for LSU if that's what they're going to get out of this rushing attack because that's going to put a lot of pressure on Jaden Daniels to put on a cape and either do it with his legs or complete a high percentage of balls because there's just – there's no ability for them right now as far as pushing teams, threatening teams down the field. So LSU will look to bounce back. Florida State will look to continue that momentum. They both should do that. Easy games coming up this week. 
And moving on to our final pick of games last week, we had an ACC matchup that we thought this Clemson team should handle, and they didn't. Another upset goes down as the Duke Blue Devils. Now, we're playing football here. This is not a basketball game. The Duke Blue Devil football team knocks off Clemson at home. 28-7 to is the final score. Clemson not even coming close at any point in this game to covering a 13-point spread. We both got this one wrong. We thought Clemson would be able to do that. And just where do I even start? I mean, just completely ineffective on offense, costly turnovers, did not score in the second half. I think a lot of people thought that Garrett Riley coming in to replace Brandon Streeter from last year, it was just going to be a snap of the fingers, and this offense is going to work. Cade Klubnick and company, Will Shipley, they should be able to, to score points, right? And it, and it just didn't happen. Now they move the ball a little bit, but they get down into the into the red zone and they turn the ball over. They fumble the ball and Duke, Duke recovers it. And it's just time after time again, they're shooting themselves in the foot. Klubnick did not look great. Now he had two touchdowns, but he also had those turnovers. And so it kind of evens out. Now Will Shipley was able to run the ball and Moffitt, is a good running back, one of the best backup running backs in the ACC. I thought they could have potentially leaned on them a little bit more. But again, turnovers, really, really the biggest thing here. You're just not going to win ball games losing the turnover margin by that much. And Clemson's defense really wasn't able to get a whole lot going against Riley Leonard, that Duke quarterback. They had only two tackles for locks, no sacks, no interceptions. We're not able to make any plays. And Riley Leonard... He played okay. I, I mean, as far as throwing the ball, he, he he did what he needed to do, but he was able to run the ball, which was really, you know, something that I I wasn't aware of. Had 98 yards rushing in the game and a 44-yard rushing touchdown there in the third quarter to kind of pull away for the Blue Devils. They really never looked back from that point on. So really, really disappointing start for the Tigers. They're gonna they're gonna bounce back. I'm not going to overreact to this. I think Clemson will be able to figure things out on the offensive side of the ball, but this really opens the door for Florida State to take a stranglehold on this ACC conference that Clemson has just honestly dominated for the last decade plus. So going to be really interesting to watch that conference going forward if Clemson can bounce back, if they can figure things out before that meeting with the Seminoles down the road. Not a great week, I'll admit it. You know, we'll look to bounce back next week, but still wanted to come on here. A little bit of humble pie. You know, it's tough week one. We're picking against the spread. If I would have picked these games straight up, I would have done a little bit better. So would have Tyler, but we will do better going forward. As I promise to you, we are here to give you the best college football coverage that you can find. So if you listened, we appreciate it. For my brother Tyler, who is not here this week, we hope that he is resting up and going to be back with us soon. My name is AJ. This was another episode of the Saturday Six Podcast. Deuces. <laughs>